0: Last year, I was reading a couple of quotes by some authors that were talking about the, the difficulties they have with writing novels. And this author was saying that the thing that she found the hardest was that you would create a character and you would give this character a personality, but then it would almost be like the character would end up writing the story for you and you'd almost have to fight to pull it back to the plot line you intended. Um, I don't know if you've ever had experience trying to write something and seen how it almost sort of writes itself. I've, I've read this in a few different authors when they speak about their work. And I think it kind of creates for us a beautiful image of the world, you know, and really God's creation. That It's actually an image that C.S. Lewis uses in one of his works, where he talks about how it's as though God is the great author who has written us as characters. But we really have free will. So God has an idea of where the story is meant to go. He knows where he wants it to finish, but in between there's this tension where we're not necessarily cooperating with the author. We're not necessarily doing what the character should do. And I think if you look at where we find ourselves here today, I don't know whether you've ever read a story and wondered what the characters feel about their position like normally we're reading it from this outside position but often when you when you read a, when you read a story you can almost get the impression that some of the characters would actually be quite angry at the author you know you could imagine them saying look why did you write me to be so overweight you know or why did you write me as being so arrogant and angry all the time couldn't you have made, made me a better character or why did you put me in this chapter where everything seems to be going bad. In a sense, that's where we find ourselves. You know, so much of our whinging and complaining is complaining against the author of the story. You know, every time you look in the mirror and you're not happy, you're kind of saying, look, why did you make me this way? You know, every time you look at your life and you're not content or sort of dreaming of having somebody else's life, That's basically where we find ourselves. Now, when you look at our world today, we find ourselves in a position where it's hard to make sense of the story. Obviously, the story only makes sense if you believe that there is an author and you believe that the author is going to bring the story to a good ending. But a lot of people look at the evidence around us and think, well, there is no author. And there is no purpose. You know, why, why worry about what's to come? It's just this here and now. We only exist to be happy, so if you are happy, why worry about anything else? Now really, this is where God is trying to break in. God is constantly trying to break into the story. Constantly trying to remind us that we're actually part of something bigger. I think this is where the readings tonight fit in. First reading, we have Moses talking about where God, right at the beginning of the story, God has tried to establish the big picture of where they're going. And the people weren't interested. So God kind of came in, or well, the, the author stepped in with, with great power and wonder. You know, so it says, you know, God revealed himself with quite a terrifying demonstration Lightning and fire and thunder and earthquakes, to the point where the people said, "Look, okay, we believe that there is an author behind this story, but we don't actually want you in revealing yourself. We'd much rather that you are not involved, you know, because it's it's too much for us. And so really what God's saying there is, okay, I'm going to send you a messenger. Who's going to very gently speak this message into your life instead of coming with great power and signs and wonders he's going to come and just very ordinarily remind you of where you fit into the story where you're going in it now basically that's Jesus and I think this is for us a great understanding of what the incarnation really looks like once again, this is where C.S. Lewis talks about the idea that if you imagine that, say, Shakespeare writes one of his plays, but the characters kind of get away from him, they're not interested in following the plot line. And so Shakespeare writes himself into the story. He makes himself one of the characters. That's his way of trying to explain the incarnation. That God, who is outside of time, comes into time. God becomes one of the most ordinary characters, so so ordinary that we don't even see him. We're expecting God to come with fire and lightning and power. And yet God comes as the most ordinary person, a very poor, very humble carpenter. You know all the Hollywood movies always show Jesus looking like a Hollywood film star, and whenever he steps in, the the music sounds dramatic as though you, surely you'd have to be blind and stupid not to realise that he's the Messiah. But but really, I think the way the Gospels, the way the Scriptures actually present it, is that he's so ordinary that even his own family has no idea. But I think this is where we start to understand today's Gospel. Because here is Jesus now in Capernaum. If you've ever had the chance to go to the Holy Land pretty much the, the, the old city is pretty much there it's all been you know re- revealed by the archaeologists and and you can actually see the very house where he lived you know where he lived with with Peter and his family so ordinary completely ordinary you could actually stand in the synagogue where Jesus was performing the, these these miracles but I think this is the most astounding thing that the author of the story has now entered into the story for the very purpose of reminding us of where we're going. Because we've forgotten, we we, we think it's just about now. You know, our the, the meaning of life is happiness. Let's just be happy. How often do you hear people say this? You know, go do whatever you want as long as you're happy. Here is the author now stepping into the story saying. It's so much bigger than that. In fact, it's about being healed. It's about becoming whole. It's about becoming who you're meant to be. It's about understanding that you're actually made for more than this world. You know, and and the very fact that he comes to cast out a demon, this man who's been possessed, this is the author of the story saying very clearly, this is why you exist. You exist to be fully alive and that means so much more than just happiness the way that our world sells it to us you exist for the sake of being fully taken over by love you know to actually understand what you're meant to be eternally now this this word that he speaks as they as, as they say it's spoken with authority now, this this line always fascinates me because clearly there's nothing physically about Jesus which stands out. And, and, I, and I think you see this so often in the stories. But it's when he speaks, that's when they realise something different is happening here. It's that their hearts are moved, their hearts are burning within them. Something echoes deep in the depths of their, of their being. And they realise... This is not just a normal character speaking, but actually, this is the voice of the author. This is the voice of the one who wrote us into being, is now recreating us, rewriting us into what we're meant to be. That's the voice which is echoed down through the centuries. And that's the voice which we come here tonight to hear. You know, I think once again, we can get lulled into this sense of this This is just the routine we go through. We come to Mass, we hear a homily, we go through the Eucharist, we go out exactly the same as we were. When we come here, we we need to come here listening for the voice of the author. We need to come here with our hearts listening deeply for that whisper, that that voice of authority which is going to speak to us very much through the Eucharist. Because it's that voice which recreates us, rewrites us. Rewrites the story of our life. You know, we often, so often talk about the secular world. We always use that term secular. It it actually comes; it's derived from the Latin word, which which is very much about time. So, so really, what really what we're getting at there is we're saying like it's it's an attitude which believes that we only exist for this time. It's only about now. That's that, that's really the the philosophy of the world we live in today. But what the the voice of Christ is speaking is something eternal. It's this voice which says, you are made for so much more than this. Now, this is a voice which we need to hear, but it's also a voice that we need to proclaim. And I think this is where we need to understand our missionary vocation. Because you have been called to be ambassadors of Christ. You've been called to be ambassadors of the author. That you too would speak with the same authority into people's lives. You know, as Jesus says just before he ascends into heaven, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now I give it to you. Go and baptise all nations in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. You Saint Paul says, you are now ambassadors of mercy preaching this message of reconciliation. You have been given the same authority to speak in the same way that Christ spoke. Now, that's not about speaking doctrine. It's not about speaking judgment or condemnation. I think it's about speaking this life-giving vision that every person we meet we will be able to see beyond the now and start to speak that message which is going to resonate deep within them. You are made for something greater. It, it's that message of hope. You know, that the whole reason of hope is that there's something more. Like there's, there's no hope if there's only now. You know, and I think hope is the center of our proclamation as a Christian. Because when we simply go up to someone who's struggling and say, you know, there's hope. What we're saying within that is we're saying there is more. There is an end to the story and the ending of the story is good. At the moment you can only see the current page that you're living on. But we know what the end of the story is and it is glorious. It is worth fighting through the mess and the trials and the sufferings to get there. Now, that makes evangelization so simple. And I want to really put this to you. Because I know so often we feel very overwhelmed when it comes to our call to evangelise in the world. You know, the idea of standing up on your desk in the middle of the public service and start proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's not going to turn out well. Even in your own family, if you were to start talking about Jesus, I know you're probably not going to get a good reception but I think the best place to begin is by simply this message of hope because it's like this seed and, and within that seed is held the whole gospel within that, that one message is held the whole picture of the, the whole story You know, to, to simply start to plant within people this expectation that there is actually more than just this and I, and I believe that from there you're going to find people opened, eager to find out what the next page looks like, what the next chapter looks like. And from there, as, as it says in the scriptures, you know, to, to have an opportunity to, to share the hope that you have discovered. Because the very fact that you are here is because you've experienced that there is something more. That there is something beyond the trial and the hardship. So I want to really... Challenge you tonight to go out as ministers of hope, evangelists of hope, preachers of hope, and to realize that really just within that one word lies the potential of the whole story. You know, that, that we leave this place, you know, here in the Eucharist, we, we actually encounter the end of the story. Every time we come here to the Mass, we encounter Something of a foretaste of heaven. Of the God who has won the victory. And the very end of the Mass, we basically say, go out. You know, the, the reason we call it the Mass is because it comes from leave. Go out. Go out on mission. Because you now know the end of the story, go out and proclaim the end of the story. Go and tell people that there is more to it than what they can see. So let's begin. Let's Let's really come here to the Eucharist with our eyes open that we can see more than just what our eyes see. That here we can really be praying that God would open our hearts to really hear what the end of the story looks like. This this, this great hope of Christ's victory and that in that joy, in, in, in that elation of that hope, we will be able to go out and speak that word to those who need it.